Hey, uh, if you're jumping in late, my name's J.D. Mangrum. I'm so glad that you're here today and in, in uh, this fourth Sunday of 2021 and our fourth Sunday in a series of messages that we are uh, in the middle of called The Lord is My Shepherd. Uh, as we get going today, I want to tell you a story. So it was two week, or it was two months before our wedding and uh, it was President's Day weekend, 2004, and I was about to go on my first and my last uh, ski trip. Uh, and, and I was just like, I think six weeks away from our wedding. Uh, Nat and I were getting married that April, and so here I was, uh, unsure actually of what made me more nervous. I don't know if it was this icy uh, West Virginia mountain sort of staring down this middle Georgia boy who'd never been skiing, uh, the idea of going down this mountain on two sticks, basically just holding two little poles, or if I was more scared by the idea of falling in front of my fiance, uh, breaking my legs, and then having to go down uh, the aisle in our wedding in a cast or even something worse. Now, so I'm, I'm scared to death, and I'm listening to every piece of advice that anybody is possibly giving me about skiing, but the one piece of advice I distinctly remember the most was this. When you get to the top of the ski lift, make sure to ski straight ahead, not right or left, so as not to clip your riding partner. Now, Natalie, who is infinitely more coordinated and graceful than I am, she didn't hear that advice. Uh, she heard all the other instructions, had all the other instructions totally down pat, but not that one. So we get to the top of the lift, felt like it was an eternity getting up there. I hop off to go straight. I've nailed this first instruction and she hops off and immediately goes left where I am. I go down and then it all begins to unravel. I'm laying there flailing like a fish out of water, right? She's begging me, her fiance, to get up um, and I, I can't do it. Like, I, I, I didn't grasp how the lesson worked for when you fell down. Uh, I was so busy trying to memorize that get to the top and go straight rather than going left part. So here's this guy. He's running the lift. He is, I think, probably praying for me. He's a cool West Virginia ski lift guy. And then he's rolling his eyes and ultimately he comes to the conclusion that I'm totally hopeless. So he stops the lift and, uh, and sadly, he comes over uh, to help Nat and the two of them um, get me up to my feet. It's not the, the start I was hoping for. And, and, and honestly, it literally and figuratively all went downhill from there. I just distinctly remember praying as six-year-olds go flying by me down this mountain without even having poles, praying, God, I'll make you a deal. If you will let me get to the bottom of this mountain, I will never do this again. Uh, forgive me, Lord, because I underestimated what I signed up for on this. Now, I'll be honest, I got to the end of the mountain about five hours later, and I have upheld my end of the bargain, and God has been good to me. Uh, I didn't break my legs going down. I got down there. My uh, behind was cold, but it made it to the bottom of the mountain. And the good news is, despite all the humility and embarrassment, Nat still married me six weeks later, and I walked down the aisle at our wedding. But for what felt like an eternity that day, at the top of that mountain, I lay there fl flailing, helpless, and in need of rescuing. 
Have you ever been there? Uh, I, I, I know most of you, and you are way too cool and way too graceful to ever have a moment like that happen to you. So most of you, the overwhelming majority of you, probably all of you can't relate to that story. But have you ever found yourself kind of like laid out like that spiritually or emotionally or relationally or financially or in some other way? It's really a pretty helpless feeling when it doesn't happen to us literally, but it happens to us sort of metaphorically with life and it allows us to assess how strong and cool we actually aren't and how needy we actually are. I'll be honest this morning, I've had a moment, uh, I've had a lot of moments. I've even had moments this week where I found myself flailing on the ground, stuck on my back and unable to rescue myself. Now, some of those are big, but most of them aren't. A lot of those moments are small. Some of them are sin-induced, as we'll see today. Some of them are just life-induced and are the result of being humans living in a broken world. And every single time, God has met me in my need, at my lowest spot, and he's restored me. So today, I want us to hear the good news of God's restoration and of God's leading. As I said, we're in week four of Psalm 23. Today, we're going to be looking at verse three of this King David psalm. Let me read it to you today. The Lord, I'm going to start in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack for anything. He is constantly making me lie down in green pastures. Now, green pastures, as we said last week, by Middle Eastern standards, uh, he's constantly making me lie down in green pastures. He is constantly leading me beside the still clean waters. And in today's verse, he restores my soul or... Again, he is constantly restoring my soul. He leads me. He's constantly leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, long before he was the king of ancient Israel, King David was the family shepherd of the family flocks, and he was kind of the run of the family, the baby brother. So him comparing the Lord to a shepherd, is a, that's a metaphor that he totally gets. But calling himself a sheep as the king of Israel... Uh, that's pretty wild, honestly. It's a pretty wild metaphor since he's in a position of power uh, leading a nation that's familiar with sheep. And the idea of being a sheep is a really humbling and kind of an embarrassing metaphor because sheep, as we've said, are really, really dumb and helpless animals. Today, we're going to talk about David's reflection of the Lord restoring us. Now, to grasp this passage well, I've got to give you one more verse. This verse is verse 11 of Psalm 42, and this is really important to sort of pick up some of the historical context of what's going on. Uh, so let me read you Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And I want us to fixate for a moment on that phrase, Cast down. Cast down is an old English term from hundreds of years ago. It's a shepherding term, actually. The Old Testament was, if, if you don't know this, let me give you some back, back story. The Old Testament is written in a language that no longer exists today, ancient Hebrew. Words and meanings between ancient Hebrew and Old English or Middle English or even Modern English, there's a pretty good gap. The meanings and languages of the languages aren't the same. So when anyone is translating the Bible, whether it from Hebrew or Greek to English or into another language, they've got a bit of a predicament. They've got to take these words and phrases and ideas from the original language 
and get them into words and phrases and ideas in the modern language. And so today, we're going to see that the original Hebrew word, this idea of being cast down or prostrated, that was the Hebrew word. We're going to look at how the, the people translating the Bible into English chose this phrase to be cast down or to be laid out. That was the word that would click for people when they were English speakers or old English speakers and heard this verse in Psalm 42. So to understand what it means for God to be restoring our souls today, we have to understand what it means to be cast down, like 42 says, to understand the, the gravity of 23. So think about me that day, laying there on the mountain, uh, flailing away, helpless, not wanting to cry out for help, but totally in need of rescue. To be cast down in Old English, shepherding, uh, was to find a sheep laying there, flailing, bleeding, not bleeding, bleating, helpless and in need of rescue, and to be restored. A sheep now would get cast down in one of three ways. The first way would be that the sheep would find kind of a little spot in a field, and it would look like a soft spot, and it would go, and it would lay down to rest. But because of the maybe the way that the, the spot was, the sheep would get rolled over and find itself unable to get up. Or, two, the sheep would just get so fluffy with its wool that it would become kind of top-heavy. It's a great image. And it would fall over and find itself unable to get up. Or, three... The sheep will get too fat from overgrazing and not being pushed or exercised, and the weight would cause it to be unable to get up. Whatever the case, as that sheep was laying on its side, uh, it would begin to kick, and it would begin to work and try to get up, and it would begin to bleat out in, in a panic and in a desperate cry for help. Unable to do so, it actually began to go from its side onto its back, and at that point, the real danger sets in. Uh, now, obviously, the cast sheep is in danger of being attacked by a predator. A predator would finish off a cast sheep super quickly, but the real danger wasn't the external predator. The real danger was internal. As the sheep pivots from its side to its back and it kicks and kicks and kicks in an effort to set itself upright, acids and gases begin to threaten everything inside the sheep from its circulation to its gastric health. A good shepherd is mindful of his flock and would see the sheep is cast and he would realize the sheep is missing and go searching for that cast sheep. And when he found it, he would do a couple of things. He'd stand the sheep up. He would begin to rub its legs and aid it as it begins to walk again, freeing up those acids from the sheep's legs. And it would do all of this while gently uh, talking to the sheep with a mixture of compassion and, if necessary, rebuke. And then finally, it would bring the sheep back to the fold, to the flock, and it would celebrate the sheep's restoration to health and restoration to the flock. This process was a way the shepherd would take a cast sheep and restore it, as Psalm 23.3 talks about. Now, are you seeing any parallels there with the condition of humanity? Have you ever been cast down? Have you ever been a, a cast sheep in the, in, the shepherd, in, the, in the care of the shepherd? Now, before the enemy comes at you today with um, a guilt complex and makes you feel condemned, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit, that God today, is not concerned with you feeling shame 
In fact, to, to be part of God's flock and to be fully human means that there are going to be times that we find ourselves cast down. Being cast down isn't primarily about laziness or sorriness or lovelessness. It's actually just about fallenness. In our sin, we are separated from God and we are unable to save ourselves. For the one who's not yet a Christ follower, we're unable to save ourselves. The idea of grace for the Christian, though, is not just that it saves us, but it, it refines us, it sanctifies us, it makes us more like Christ. So even for the follower of Christ, there are going to be moments living in flesh and blood that we're going to find ourselves cast down. And because we fall short of God's perfect standard of holiness, we recognize we all have the same predicament. And so if we ever get cast down, if we ever find ourselves on our backs, helpless and endangered, uh, God would, if we didn't have that predicament, God would have had no need to send his son Jesus to die on the cross to rescue and redeem us to come looking for us like the shepherd comes looking for the sheep. The gospel, the good news is that God sent his son, the good shepherd, to rescue cast sheep like you and I. So yes, we've been cast down. And no, we're not alone in that. So our response to when we find ourselves cast is not to try to kick harder or scream more to stand ourselves up like me flailing on that icy West Virginia mountain, wanting so hard to hop up and being so embarrassed right there in front of the woman that I was about to uh, commit to spend the rest of my life with. I was so embarrassed, but I was helpless. And when we find ourselves in that state, the goal is not to just try to hop up. Sometimes the goal is to cry out. Helpless, endangered sheep in need of rescue. It kind of sums up our entire spiritual existence, if we're being honest in a lot of ways, doesn't. I mean, religion says, hop up, try harder, work your way back onto your feet. But the gospel says that the good shepherd will come for us when we are, in fact, cast down. And our greatest, one last thing, our greatest threat isn't necessarily the external predators. Sometimes the greatest danger and threat is the internal. It's the the dark nature inside of us um, that when we're cast down can't sort of help us make our way up. We need a savior. We need uh, Jesus. We have thoughts and attitudes and actions and struggles and life has ebbs and valleys and dry moments and all of these point to our need for Christ. Nat and I, just so you know, it's not just sin that leads us to be cast down. Nat and I have a friend who struggles profoundly with depression. And man, she's prayed and read scripture and done everything she knows how to try to get uncast from that situation. And she's come to the conclusion that the Good Shepherd loves her. And when she's wrestling with depression, he will come and get her and rescue her. And she doesn't sort of lead herself into that. But there's just moments where that's the burden that she understands that God is allowing her to carry so that she will live dependent on him. I think about Howard in our church who found himself cast down last year when he got hit by a car in an accident that nearly took his life. And out of laying there, literally in a hospital bed, helpless, Christ came to him and met him and is restoring him. That's the gospel. I, I think about some of you and your struggles and your victories and all of these things where life comes at you. We understand together, don't we, what it means to be cast down. Even the most faithful Christ followers have seasons of following him where we could be best described as being cast down. 
Some might call it backsliding. Some might call it apathy or being lukewarm. Some might say they lost their first or their early love that they had for Jesus. They came down off the mountain. Some may just find the emotional struggle bigger than their own strength or the situation bigger than their power. Essentially, we get cast down and land on our backs and find ourselves unable to jump up and help ourselves without the help of the shepherd. Our attitudes change. Our habits may wane. Life is hard. Life doesn't fight fair. We may even let ourselves get isolated from God and his people, the flock, cast down. And in that moment, and this is what you hear today, in that moment, we need the shepherd to come and rescue us. Thank God we aren't that when we aren't keeping our eyes on Jesus, he is keeping his eyes on you and he's keeping his eyes on me. And just like the shepherd's process with the cast sheep, Jesus does a similar thing. One, he finds us laying helpless in our predicament, our lostness for the not yet follower of Jesus or our lukewarmness or our wandering or just life's tough circumstances may beat us down. And he finds us laying helpless and cast down. And, and like with the sheep, he stands us up, right? It's only grace. It's God's mercy. Grace is God's mercy that we do not merit, cannot earn, but it's given to us by Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, Jesus in his grace helps us, allows us to stand up again. Some of you, praise the Lord, are standing up for the first time ever. And others are standing up for the first time in a while. I've loved this last year watching Kelly Myers begin to stand in her faith. I've loved watching Scott Costello over the last few years learn to stand. Uh, I've loved watching Carla Marrero and Howard Hall in recent days and others learning to stand or to stand again. It does my heart good. It steadies my faith and reliance on Christ. Then just like the shepherd rubs the legs of the sheep to aid it in walking again, God's Holy Spirit who the scriptures often call the Holy Spirit, who's a who, not a what. The, the scriptures often call the Holy Spirit a balm or a, an anointing oil. He ministers to us. He empowers us and enables us to begin to walk. See, God isn't out here calling us to something. No, for the Christ follower, God is in here and his, by his spirit. His spirit is empowering and enabling us to, to walk by faith. New habits are formed. New victories are won. Baby steps, but steps nonetheless. I want you to celebrate the steps you're taking as God's Spirit works on you and in you and for you and through you. As he's doing all this, he's whispering compassion and even when needing rebuke. The compassion is whispers of his love, how there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The rebuke is God's reminder that he has a best and when we lay down on a journey or we grow heavy through not exercising spiritual muscles, sometimes we're not living out his best and we endanger ourselves in doing so. Compassion, costly grace, rebuke, our lostness or our helplessness cause the son of God to lay down his life. And then he celebrates the sheep being found and restored to the flocks. This is sort of a Luke 15 moment. God celebrates when one of you gives your life to him or literally the Bible says that heaven kind of stops and throws a party when one of you makes a bold move, surrendering your life to Christ or getting baptized or repenting of sin or showing up on Sunday or joining a small group or giving financially or reconciling a broken relationship or, um, or living with integrity or something else. The shepherd celebrates the restoration of a cast sheep, the restored soul. 
You know, some of you this year, and uh, I won't name names, but some of you are going to give your lives to Jesus. I'm praying for it. And just, it's like you're right on the brink. Some of you are so close. I can't wait to celebrate with you and with heaven. Some of you are going to be baptized this year. You're going to use baptism as a way to publicly declare your faith in Christ. Some of you are going to tell your story for the first time and glorifying God for what he's done in you. These are bold moves. We're going to celebrate with the angels and with heaven when you do that. And with Jesus, it's going to be amazing. So then what happens? The Bible says, Psalm 23 says, he leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The cure for the cast sheep that gets restored is to stay near the shepherd trusting and following his lead as he he is constantly leading us forward on paths of righteousness. I love you. So I'll tell you frankly, but Jesus didn't come to earth, live sinlessly, die sacrificially, rise victoriously to see you and I living as cast sheep, laying on our back, helpless and flailing and bleeding for help month after month, year after year. He sets us out on a journey with him after he restores us He's got us on the move. He's leading us down these paths of righteousness. A faith journey committed to moving forward with the shepherd is less inclined to become cast, less inclined to overgraze, less inclined to drink poor waters. So let me ask you a couple of questions today to assess whether you roll into 2021 in a cast position or in a restored upright position. You might just kind of, you might write these down. You might sort of answer them on your phone. Uh, you might even need to go back and rewatch this later to answer these questions, but I'm going to try to ask them and, and just with a yes or no, answer these about yourself and make it a regular priority to pursue God and his word. Number two, I make it a regular priority to pursue God in structured, though not necessarily formal prayer. It's a regular habit of mine to pray. Number three, I have a plan, a time and a place for spending time with God. Yes or no. Number four, I'm part of a small group with other followers of Christ and people pursuing Christ. Number five, I'm living connected with honest transparency and have some friendships where my sin and temptations are revealed. The next one, I have a sense of how God has wired and gifted me spiritually to serve his church and his mission. Next one, I'm regularly serving inside our church or out in the community in some way. And a couple more. I'm giving part of my earnings to extend what God's doing in our church, community, or in the world. Uh, I believe I can share the gospel and the story of what God has done in my life. That's a powerful one. We're actually, you know, calling one another a little bit to that today. And then the last one, I verbally articulated the gospel in the last six months to a not yet follower of Christ, either sharing the gospel story or how God has done a work in my life. To be clear, I'm not asking those questions to put us on a guilt trip, quite frankly. And I'm not asking so we can pat ourselves on the back uh, and and do some sort of self-righteous victory lap. Like there's been times in my life where there were a lot of no's to that. There's a lot of times in my life where there were a lot of yeses to that. Praise the Lord that he rescued me when I was down. Praise the Lord that he had me standing when I was up. Jesus died to give us a father-child relationship with God and to free us from condemnation and pride. I do give the questions, though, for us to ask ourselves, am I currently more like a cast sheep or am I currently living more like a restored sheep? These questions are a good measuring stick for our growth. If you answer no, maybe you need to plug into a small group or maybe you need to ask your group leader or maybe you just need to ask a friend, how do I do blank? One of those questions, right? 
Remember, God loves you just the way you are. He loves you way too much to just leave you there and leave you, leave you that way. And our church loves you just the way you are, but we love you too much to leave you there. Uh, so if you're living like a cast sheep, um, I want us to be crying out to the shepherd to come and restore us. And he promises he'll do that and lead us down paths of righteousness. If I'm living like a restored sheep, praise the Lord. I preached the gospel to myself that I didn't restore myself. I needed the rescue of a shepherd. He provided it. You weren't saved, born again, or made part of God's family to live a defeated, apathetic, backslidden, lukewarm, beat down, or cast sheep kind of faith existence. You were made to walk with the shepherd and to live in victory. And that victory has a real look to it, has a real prescribed look to it on some level. The restored sheep is marked by a life of trust and surrender and forward movement of loving Christ the most, of loving others second, becoming almost kind of self-forgetful. The restored sheep is willing to be set apart rather than just going with the crowd, whatever the crowd may be. The restored sheep walking paths of righteousness is less concerned with personal rights and more concerned with God's lead and others' good. The restored sheep is okay with being last and being the servant. He's He or she is great... Um, he, he, they've stopped finding fault and stopped being the victim and they're doing that less than they're complying with God's will and, and being accepting of where God has them on some level for his glory and their good. Um, the restored sheep doesn't fight so much for their rights and for their preferences, but they submit and surrender to the Lord. And finally, the restored sheep who's done being cast trusts God's direction rather than choosing or demanding to go our route. Today, uh, you know, I'm asking us to begin 2021 to write a book together. Does that sound crazy? Some of you are going to write chapters about how you came to Christ Church. You're going to write about your, how your faith journey works as you sort of live in Charlestown. Others of you, though, are going to tell stories of moments when you were cast down, perhaps by sin, perhaps just by life, and Jesus picked you up and he restored you. Finally, hopefully all of us are going to tell stories of how the shepherd is leading us down paths of righteousness together for his namesake. What's it going to look like when your story and somebody else's story and somebody else's story and somebody else's story point to God's story and somebody hears and reads your story and it connects with their story. Maybe the moment when you were a cast sheep and you were restored is going to be the thing that leads somebody else to cry out, to bleat out to the good shepherd and to find him come to them and restore them to health and life and salvation. I'm praying that your story becomes part of God's story to change somebody else's story as you tell it in faith. Let me pray for us today. God, I thank you that when we were lost, you came to us. I thank you that sometimes we find ourselves cast and in need of restoration because of sin, sometimes just life coming at us really hard. Wherever we find ourselves today, I pray that we would rely on you, Good Shepherd, that we would let you lead us. And, and Father, that we wouldn't just uh, let you pick us up and we kind of go our way, but we would let you lead us down paths of righteousness for your namesake and for your glory. Thank you, God, that you're changing destinies, you're rewriting stories, and you're going to rewrite stories through the written stories of people in our church. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, let me just share a couple things with you, if you don't mind, if you don't mind as we get going. Um, one, don't forget to fill out your connection card, ChristChurchCharlestown.com slash connect. Let us know if there's any decision that you are making 
Um, and then at the bottom of it, if you want to write a chapter, if you want to help write this book, let us know. Say, I'm all in. I'm interested. More info, however you want to do it. Some of you don't feel like you're likely candidates for that, which means you're the likeliest candidate for that. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. Other than that, plug into groups. This, this week, we have our men's group. It's the last of our first month. And, uh, and be here next week as we begin to share how we believe God is now leading us toward gathering together again in the weeks to come. Super excited. Love you guys for being here. Love being your pastor. So thankful that we've all been cast down. We've all been restored by the Good Shepherd. God loves you. Go live in grace this week. God bless you guys.